much love. so sick of easy fashion. The clumsy boots, peekaboo roots that people think so dashing. So what's the point of robbery when nothing is worth taking? It's kind of tough to tell a scruff the big mistake he's making. Stand and deliver your money or your life. Episode 20, season four. Oh, oh, oh. That of course was Adam and the Ants singing Stand and Deliver. That's, that's about stealing because we're doing heist this week hi julie we're doing heist hello renee how are you so good you know what i can't like talk the mission impossible sound like <laughs> the music dump 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 don't work do i tried i tried it then I, I got one but i was like wait this is james bod that's not oh, heist music yeah yeah, you can't talk that. No, you can't. You can't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um. Well, yeah. We're did you have a thrilling heist week? I did, and I'm really excited to tell people about my book this week because I chose an author that I have now read. This is my third book that I've read of hers, uh, and they're always like some of my favorites every season when we do one of her books. So. I had a grand old time Ooh. and I s- was already excited because I love a heist movie, Renee. I know you do, baby. Love I a know. heist movie. Oh my God. Give me an Oceans. Give me a Ronin. Give me an Italian job. Like, oh, give me an art heist. Like my favorite, one of my favorite documentaries of the last few years was the Netflix one about the art heist in Chicago. Did you watch this? Mm-hmm boring oh heists and white collar crime are my heists white collar crime and i guess adjacent to white collar crime but like con artists like this is my favorite true crime content give me a swindler give me a like bait and switch give me oh give me a fucking pyramid scheme yes bitch i everyone's like watch this movie about a woman who was murdered and all we have is a photograph and i'm like or let's watch people bamboozle a security guard at an art gallery (laughs) see i like if it's a movie like tell me a story that's i don't want to hear your real life although listen i did hear about the heist with the ruby slipper oh yeah that one was good. I listened to that as a podcast. It was excellent storytelling, but it was a true story. But true story heists, I get bored. I want to see blood. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's yeah. a reason why true crime is as popular as it is because people love that shit. But I, I am very selective about it. And I love a heist. And a heist movie is... Yeah, I would say this. I've, I've just thought of this now. It just occurred to me now. But I, I'm saying it with confidence. A heist movie is a movie that I am always in the mood for. Like I never want to watch a heist movie, but every time I do, I love it. Every time oh I do, I love God. it. If I like, I don't, I'm like, they're never going to make it out, but they do. I watched a heist movie with my girls called Bad Guys. Oh. And it had a killer cast. It had Mark Marin. It had... Uh, Mark what's his- Marin. Mark Marin was a voice in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It had Dax Shepard. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Dax Shepard or... It, no, it wasn't. It was Sam Rockwell. Oh, love, I know. love Sam Rockwell. Aquafina was in it. What? I'm not kidding. This was an all-star cast of Critters, and they were the best of the best as far as heists go. And it was great, and I loved it because I was like, they're never going to pull this off. Fucking and they did fucking do yeah and there's always a twist you never know who the bad guy is exactly. you get bamboozled i'm like ah they got me and there's always like an 11th hour like part of the plan goes sideways and then they think oh, yeah. we're not gonna do it and then they fucking do they do i love it yeah i love it did your book have all those twists and turns it did have twists and turns and it had those like last minute like oh damn moments so i'm gonna tell you about it Tell me everything. Do you want to hear about it? Um, yeah. So I read The Hellions Waltz by Ooh. Olivia Waite. And oh, your girl. My girl. So longtime listeners. Hello. We love you. Thank you for being the backbone of our podcast. She has a series called The Feminine Pursuits. And they are historical romance with always some sort of social justice or sort of feminist subtext going on in terms of the context so one of them was around like the era of suffragettes and the labor movement um but they're always very queer very feminist um almost like a little history lesson and still spicy and this book was no exception so um olivia is a u.s based writer um and she must do a ton of research before she writes her books because I like, they're just so historically accurate um, and just great. And again, one of the things I love so much about her books is queer and historical romance or historical fiction generally. And queer content is always just so fascinating to me. And I've talked about the slots on the show about how people would find each other and flag in a context in which it was like supremely illegal, but also just culturally like hella taboo. So Mm -hmm. Loved it. So, the Hel- Hellions Waltz um, is set back in the day in the UK. And in particular, there's a woman named Sophie. And Sophie's family recently moved to Carisford, which is a town in the UK, uh, where they run a secondhand instrument shop and they do repairs. And you kind of get the sense that they're fleeing from something. And they are. So what happened was they got bamboozled by a con artist who convinced them that he was going to partner with them to make a shit ton of money running a piano school, like teaching piano lessons and making pianos. So her dad made pianos. Her mom was this like concert, like almost opera, like classically trained singer. Uh, Sophie played the piano. Her younger siblings played the piano and they just had this lovely life in London. And then this guy swoops in and he's like, oh, I got to see that you're super talented. Um, and I'm going to make your daughter into a star because she's an incredible pianist. And we are just going to make a shit ton of money together. And they were like, amazing. And then they got swindled Ooh. and had to... Uh, basically start over their lives in Carisford. So they show up and now they run a secondhand instrument store and Sophie helps with that and helps, you know, they do house calls to tune people's pianos. Um, And she meets a woman named Maddie. And 
she meets Maddie at a kind of silt, like, um, <laughs> Canadian fans of the show will appreciate the, 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 uh, full circle moment that this is. She basically beats her at the, you know, 1800s UK version of Fabricland. <laughs> Fabricland. Fabricland. <laughs> so she sees this woman wearing, you know, pretty like kind of simple clothes, but she's like, whoa, this bitch is a smoke show. And she's like very, very confident. And she shows up and she sells this guy this silk and he's like all about it. And she's really intrigued. She's like, who is this woman? Um, and meanwhile, she's trying to find her way in the world, has sort of given up her dream of ever doing piano ever again, um, is like questioning her sexuality, but not really knowing what to do with it. You know, in the past, she'd had these sort of flings with women, really thinking like, what am I going to do in this world? I got to get married. I got to find a man. And like, but you know, my dream was taken from me and I'm really mad. And like, I want revenge on this guy, but like, what do I do? And then she gets really curious about Maddie because she's real uh, shifty, real shady, real mysterious. And then she starts following her because she's like, there's something going on. I feel like she's running a hustle and I have no patience for hustlers because they fucked me and my family. So she starts following Maddie around. Maddie senses this and basically comes on to her and they have this makeout. And then she's like, huh, so that's your secret. And she's like, no, you're running a hustle. I can fucking tell. Like, my secret is I've been spying on you, not because I want to fuck you, although it's a very obvious enemies to lover situation. But she's like, you're a swindler. And then she says, look, I kind of am, but let me tell you why. So there's a legend in town about a woman named Jenny who was an incredible, and again, I don't remember the word for it, but basically makes fabric like makes silk fabric and makes tulle and makes all this fabric. And she was incredibly talented, made these beautiful embroidered pieces of fabric. And she apparently was a swindler, was sketchy, was caught trying to rip off the, the owner and was outed as a lesbian, therefore like a witch and sent on a boat off to Australia and was like <gasps> banished. And she kind of becomes, Jenny becomes kind of like this myth in town where it's like, Renee, if you don't pick up your toys, Jenny's going to come back and haunt you. Like it's sort of this, like she's this cautionary tale used to scare children and used to scare, you know, keep women in their place of like, don't be a loose hussy. You're going to get sent off like Jenny. Da, da, da. Well, wasn't Jenny related to this Maddie woman in particular Maddie who's like yeah you've been following me around you think I'm shifty I am shifty and I'll tell you why the reason being Jenny was a real fucking person who made incredible incredible she was an artist she was an absolute artist and she got ripped off by Mr. Giles and Mr. Giles then set her up to to fucking get rid of her to try to make sure that he didn't get outed as being like a, a fraud basically who stole her work. Well, Jenny was my mom's girlfriend <gasps> and my mom like died of a broken heart and oh. like couldn't never, basically never recovered from Jenny being banished. And so she's like, I want to 
really avenge my mom and Jenny. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fucking swindle Mr. Giles and I'm going to try to sell him this magic fabric that you put it in this machine and it changes colors. So you sell a piece of fabric to someone once and they leave and you never get to sell them anything again. But if you sell them this fabric, Mr. Giles, they'll have to keep coming back to use the machine to be able to switch it to something else. It's magic. It's new. It's innovative. And Mr. Giles is a fraudulent shitbag, greedy son of a bitch. So they're like, perfect. We'll just appeal to his vanity. We'll appeal to his greediness and we'll sell him this machine that doesn't fucking work. Then we're going to take the money and we're going to bounce. And then I'm going to go live somewhere else and live the life that I wanted knowing that I avenged my mother. And because Sophie was herself swindled, she now realizes, oh, Maddie's like, yeah, being kind of sketchy, but she's doing it to try to like right a wrong. So she's like, I'm in. Whatever I can do to help, I'm in. So they start being friends, which very quickly turns into being lady friends. And what I love, 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 love is that she, uh, Maddie is not necessarily like out as a lesbian, but like not super closeted either. And she lives with another queer couple. But again, people just think like, oh, these three single women live together in this house just to split rent. But really, it's basically like <laughs> a queer house. And so Sophie goes over there a lot and like loves it. And then Sophie's thinking like, okay, like how do I tell my parents that you know, like Maddie's really important to me because obviously she wasn't out. And there's these like beautiful moments where she, her family kind of gives her like a bit of a wink, like, don't worry, girl, we know. And like, we don't care. And it was so, it was so beautiful. Cause like, of course that existed. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, homophobia has existed. It still exists today, but also there were allies back in the day. There had to be, or else we wouldn't have survived as queer people. (laughs) So there's this beautiful romance happening between the two of them, but there's also this like, building of this heist and getting all these women involved and it turns out multiple women had been fucked over by this mr giles because he had you know not paid them and like basically all the women in town who had beef with this particular man or any man were like i'm in (laughs) and so there's like this coven of women plotting this heist well the problem is they go to do it. They're all ready. They're like, okay. They show me. They make up this whole. They they hire a fucking magician's assistant. Like one of the women was a magician's assistant, and they're like, help us do this. Like, sort of like, you know, um, like bait and switch, so that we can demonstrate this machine that doesn't work and doesn't exist to swindle him. But they do such a good job that he says, "Oh fuck this! I don't want just, I don't just want the the fabric that you're gonna produce. I want to buy." the technology I want to pay you to teach me how to use it. And I want to buy the warehouse. And they're like, ah, fuck. Now what do we do? We can't explain it to him. It doesn't work. (laughs) So then they're all like, Oh no, Mr. Giles is going to get away with this. What do we do? And then Sophie has this idea. She's like, let's have a concert. I'll play. I will do my debut as a pianist. I will redeem myself on the stage I will prove to myself that I really am a good piano teacher and a really good pianist and that I was just swindled. It has nothing to do with my talent or my intelligence. I'll have a concert and then you can use this big stage with all of these fancy people coming to embarrass Mr. Giles and call him out for being this fraud. And then his reputation will be ruined and then we'll be free and you can, you don't even need to flee town. He'll have to flee. 
And they're like, oh my God, I love this so much. But Sophie, you have so much stage fright and Sophie, you have so much trauma around the piano. And she's like, I will lean into the fear. So (laughs) she creates a song called The Hellions Waltz. And the reason why that's so fucking beautiful is because it's a town where people make silk so there's a lot of silk factories and there's like a like a a rhythm to it like there's a sound that comes out of the factory that the the factory makes that she then realizes is almost like its own rhythm so she writes a waltz based on the rhythm of the town to sort of be like this is our anthem which I thought was so fucking beautiful and then she thinks of Maddie as like this hellion because she's this you know swindler so she writes this song for her and calls it the hellions waltz oh and she performs it for maddie for the first time in pot and privately and then they bang it out and it's so fucking sweet and then they have their big thing so they get you know she gets her family involved because they're all you know musicians and piano you know players and shit and so she's like okay we're gonna put on a concert and her dad's like wow like you i've been pushing you to, to perform for so long and you said no and now all of a sudden you want to and you want to do so right away and she feels terrible for lying to her dad so she's like fuck it and she just tells him and he's like i'm in because i too was swindled in the past and i can tell that you're in love with maddie and i want nothing but love for both of you oh so then there's this whole concert where there's this whole bait and switch and then mr giles gets outed as this fraudster that banished jenny for no reason and like has been underpaying women and you know has been running sweatshops basically and they call him out and then everyone who invested in him and his business is like fuck this guy and his whole reputation gets ruined forever and they're like we and then the happily ever after is almost unexpected because you're like okay well maddie got what she wanted so she was going to go back to her hometown and then sophie was like but my family's here and i help them with the business and i care deeply about the business and then maddie says well i can go wherever you go babe and then sophie says okay well i got all these gigs to play piano in london and be like a fancy piano teacher and i can make a living and as a woman back in the fucking day i won't need a man because i can make my own money and they're like to london we go and they go to london together so like the other books in this series loved it like loved it and honestly if we stop this podcast tomorrow i would absolutely keep reading her books as they come out her and lisa k adams like love 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 yeah extremely well written i love historical fiction on the reg anyway so it's very much up my alley super queer genuinely queer like clearly not written by like a dude who's never actually you know seen real queer women have sex um and like great characters very funny moments Huge fan. Love it. Love it. Love it. Super spicy. Five out of five on the old spice because, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of good spiciness. So, yeah, that was, um, and I would say the accessory to go with this would just be like a really good, sexy, like Spotify playlist. Oh, I love that. Yeah, like a really good, like a lot of R&B jams, maybe a little Portish head, mix it up in there just to like keep it sexy. Okay. That's how okay. Maddie and Sophie would get down on it. But yeah, that was The Hellions Waltz by Olivia Waithe. And uh, wait, I believe is how you say it. 
Uh, big fan. That's what I read. And oh, it was I'm a big fan by proxy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was written, it came out during the pandemic. Oh, wow. So it's very, very new. Uh, so yeah, I recommend uh, checking it out. And this is her third book in her Feminine Pursuit series, but none of the, the books aren't related. So they're standalone books. So anyone could grab them at any time. Um, and I really recommend all three of them. So uh, just like my love of heist movies, I love a good heist book. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. So what did you fun. get up to, Renee? Well, I read a crossover book, um, part of a Villains Ever After series by Tara Grace called Bluebeard and the Outlaw. Ooh. Yeah, so you know the story of Bluebeard, right? Like the folktale? I do, but for folks who do not know, qu'est-ce que c'est? So Bluebeard was a nobleman uh, who everybody was scared of because his beard was kind of blue and uh, he was gross. And uh, he married a bunch of women and he murdered them. Uh, but what he would do is he would, when he got married, he would give his wife like keys to his storage and stuff. It'd be like, you can have whatever you want, but whatever you do, don't unlock the little creepy door. And uh, then he'd be like, but I got to go do a thing. Uh, just don't touch that door. And of course they'd go open the door and, and there would be bodies of his other wives. But in the story, the, the woman would like drop one of the keys and it would get blood on it that she couldn't get off. And so he would know that she went into this little spooky room that he was like, don't go away there. But he marries children. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and then he goes to kill them. And in the original story, um, the woman's brothers arrive just in time. But there's other versions where, like, her mother was there and then they kill him. Like, there's different variations of it. It was written in the 1600s. Um, my favorite is the Angela Carter version. But this book was also a very good version of it. Okay. So, so when we talk about outlaw in this book, we mean Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. So um, because the person who originally wrote the Bluebeard story was from France, um, I'm going to call this blue? guy. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, for real. That's what it was called. Oh my God. Um, um, the guy's name in this is Duke Guy, but I'm going to call him Dukey. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like taking a shit, so I love it even better. Okay, so fucking Dookie, <laughs> Dookie, <laughs> and uh, and his sheriff Reinhold. Okay, they're uh, they're running through the woods. They're trying to catch. They're running up Robin Hood. <laughs> making a deal with God um, to catch Robin Hood. So they're running after Robin Hood and one of Robin Hood's merry men. They've stolen the tax money that's supposed to go to the king. So they're trying to get it back. And they just, they, they, they're forever chasing Robin Hood. Robin's forever, you know, stealing money from them to give back to the poor. But then Duke Yee has to, like, tax the people more money because they keep taking the money away the first time, right? Um, and so Robin and the merry man are like running through the woods but it's actually a bamboozle because the chest they have is actually full of rocks and they're leading them on a merry chase while the rest of the merry men are actually robbing the tax the real tax cart so they're running and then they make it to like a fairy circle um which in real life a fairy circle is a ring of mushrooms okay um but in this story the fairy circle is a ring of trees 
and they allow you to cross between realms. Uh, but if you know how to navigate it, then you can make it to other ones in the human realm instead of going into the realm of monsters or the realm of fae or fairies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the fairies are very dangerous because they're mischievous, right? So they don't want to stay in, and they don't want to get into the realm of the fairies. That's the bottom thing. Now, there's been an ongoing drought. People are starving. They're being taxed through the teeth. And Robin Hood is just like, this is not working. Robin Hood in this story is Robin, a lady. Ooh. And she dresses like a man, you know, obviously to throw off her pursuers and the, and the nobles that she robs from. And all of the merry men are her brothers. And so they're the children of some foresters. And her parents, the foresters, were in charge of regulating the fae or monsters that would trickle into the human world. But one day they were found murdered outside of a fairy oh, no. ring and nobody ever caught their murderer. No. So Robin's sitting around eating stew with the merry men. And she's like, you know, there's we just kind of keep doing the same thing and it's never getting better, right? Like this is a merry chase and I love it, but something needs to give. And her brother... Uh, one of her, the merry men, mentions, you know, oh, well, Bluebeard's looking for another wife, if you can believe it. And she's like, oh, you know, he murders all of them, but he obviously doesn't care what they look like. And then she's like, wait, I could marry him. And then when he tries to kill me, I could kill him. And then by the laws of marriage, I would inherit his entire fortune Bruce. and his kingdom. Yeah, because I guess a duke in the past was like made a law that like upon if, if a woman became a widow, then they could inherit um, that stuff from their husband. So they're like, I don't know, Robin, like, what if you get hurt? And then all the other married men are like, you think you think that she could get hurt? Like, we should be worried about this guy. Ew. So they're like, they're like, OK, let's do it. So they decide that she's going to dress up like a like a lady. And her brothers are going to pretend to be like noblemen who have been robbed by um, Robin Hood and his merry men. And then he'll take pity on them and he'll probably want to marry uh, this lady. So uh, that's what they do. They go to the kingdom. And the thing I liked about this book, Julie, is that they didn't draw everything out. Like at the beginning of every chapter, it was like, so here's what happened. Just so you know, moving on. And I was like, I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so he decides to marry her. He doesn't seem really, really happy about it. And, um, neither is she, but she's bold and she's, you know, just a troublemaker overall, like any Robin Hood character in any book ever. So she makes it into the kingdom and she like, just does not give a shit. She's like, whatever. And so, you know, during their ceremony, um, uh, you know, she's just like thinking in her head, just like say man and wife, let's just get this over with. Um, but it's during their ceremony that like, um, she starts to become really bold with him. And so, um, he goes to like, give her a little peck and then he whispers to her, like, I know you hate me. I can see it in your eyes. And she's like, holy shit. Like, how did he know? Like, how does he, does he figure out, does he know who I am? Like, why did he marry me anyway? It doesn't make any sense. But then she's like, no, I must be bold. So she like grabs him and like makes out with him. And then she's like, you don't even know how much you hate me. And I'm like, oh shit, it's on. Okay. So he sends the, 
her family away. And she's like, oh, this must be what he's done before, that he isolates the women that he marries. And that's how he gets to kill them. He's, she's like, oh, he's such a monster. He's such a monster. And um, as they're kind of like, you know, she sh- he's showing her to her rooms. He's like, you know, what's your game? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, you know, what... Like, you know, they say that I killed my last three wives. So, like, why would you marry me? And she's like, oh, because I am the youngest of my father's children and everybody else is going to inherit my father's estate. Um, and I want to have power and I want to, you know, inherit things. Um, so that's why I'm going to marry you. And she's like, I think I can tame you. And he's like, well, you should just kill me now. Like, save us further heartache. And she's like it doesn't suit me to kill you just yet. She's like, uh, but I'll kill you later. And he's like, all right. So it's like, they just have this dangerous back and forth and they hate each other and it's awesome. But then, um, the sheriff, Sheriff Reinholz or whatever is like, it's going to rain. And boy, does it, Julie, it rains so much that like, if you're outside in it, you're choking on it. It's so much. And so, the village is being flooded and then Duke Guy is like, we have to get all the villagers out and save their stores for the winter. We got to go. And so she's like, I'm coming with you, bud. And so she runs out and he's like, your clothes are soaking wet. Go put some of my clothes on underneath of it. And she's like, all right. So she puts on like some of his clothes underneath her gross dress. She runs out and she's like helping all the villagers and stuff. And they're like crossing the bridge, getting the people out. The waters are rising and then they're just about to leave. And this little girl's like, Daisy, Daisy. And then they look and her dog is on the other side of the bridge. And they're like, okay, so Duke Guy gets on his fucking horse to go save the dog. And then, but the bridge washes away. And so does he and the horse and the dog. And she's like, well, listen, like I could let him die, but I can't let a horse and a puppy dog die. So she like cuts off her dress and she's in these like sweatpants or whatever and she's like i'm gonna save him so she does she gets in there and she saves him and she's like that's weird that this murderer of wives would save a puppy she's like but i think that murderers can also like dogs so i'm not gonna give in to this guy yet like you know it's so weird and so as things go on um she's kind of like starting it's, it's starting to grow on him and she's starting to grow or he's starting to grow on her but he still wants to catch Robin Hood. And the reason for that is that um, the money still isn't making it to the king. And every time the money doesn't go to the king, the king sends more guards. And the guards make it difficult on the villagers. So he decides, I'm going to catch Robin Hood. It's it's the time. And meanwhile, Robin has been like kind of scouting the entire castle. She's like, I got to find this guy's loot because we're going to rob him blind. And I need to know where it is. So she finds the vaults. And then, of course, there's like a library and in it is a little door that she can never open. And she's like, fuck you, I'm going to open that door. And he's like, if you value your life, don't ever open that door. And she's like, okay. But what she notices about the door and about the vaults is that there's a feeling of like fairy magic coming off of them. And she's like, that's really weird. You know, what's this guy's deal? If he's if he has fairy magic, like, is he a fairy? His ears aren't pointy. So I don't understand why he would be using fairy magic. Um, but she's like, something is really fucky. Um, and so 
he goes to her and he's like, look, I want to catch Robin Hood. Um, so we're going to have an event before I have to go to the king. Uh, we're going to have an archery contest. So if you've ever seen anything Robin Hood related, the archery contest is famous because Robin splits an arrow in twain, right? Which is how they realize it's Robin Hood. Because Robin Hood can't resist showboating. That's Robin Hood's big thing is that he's a show off. And that's how he gets caught and all those things. So, of course, in this story, she's like, you know, I can't be in two places at once. So I pretend I'm having menstrual cramps and no guy is going to tell me, like, is going to not trust that. So she <laughs> pretends that she's got cramps to go in her room and, like, stay away from the um, contest. But actually, she gets dressed up as, like, an old peasant and she goes and she wins the contest. Um, and they're like, we're going to get you. And as she's running, um, the like, uh, her brothers are there and they're gonna like steal from the vault. And then, um, she, she runs into the sheriff and he kind of has this like look in his eye, like, Oh, don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. <laughs> um, and she gets away and then she runs into her brothers and they're like, Hey, listen, so we got into the vaults and we stole some of the treasures in there, but look, and it's all fool's gold. It's not, it's like fairy gold. Which means that, like, when it leaves the kingdom, it turns into, like, another kind of stone. It's not really gold. So she's like, wait a minute. He has no wealth. Like, and he's using fairy magic. And he saves puppies. Like, what's this guy's fucking deal? Because his wives are all dead. So what's up? Yeah. So she, like, Bluebeard, like, comes to her room. And uh, he's, like, defeated at this point. She's like... Oh, I want to comfort him, but I can't because I'm Robin Hood. And she's like, sorry, bud. Sorry, I had a rough day. Yeah, yeah, my cramps are better. Don't worry. It's fine. And he's like, well, I have to go to the kingdom tomorrow. Um, But here's my key. Please don't use it. Guard it with your life, but don't use it for the love of God. Please don't use it. She's like, okay, bud. Like, don't worry. I got you. So the first thing she does when he leaves is she goes to use the key. Obviously. And the door, obviously. And the door is just like pulsing with fairy magic. And she's like, what the fuck is this? So she goes in and the room is covered with blood. And there's like women, his former wives hanging from the ceiling. And she's like, oh my God, like this is fucked up. And she drops the key, of course. And um, she realizes that like, wait a minute. One of his wives died eight years ago. And these women are like, like it was like they died yesterday so she's like wait this has got to be like an illusion like fairy glamour so she closes her eyes and sure enough like she can't um she doesn't bump into like hanging legs or anything the blood's not there but she does find another noose she's like oh this must be my noose so she goes to grab the key and she goes to leave and uh, the blood won't come off the key and she's like well fuck so <laughs> she's like well that's that's messed up so she's like, we got to pull the trigger on this thing. And so she's trying to like talk to her brothers to be like, hey, we have to wrap up this this heist because he's going to try and kill me. And I don't know if I really want to kill him because I like him, but he's also a murderer. So I don't know. And so the next day she uh, she goes down for breakfast and the sheriff is there and he's like, listen, he's like, uh, you know, if you ever need help, like, you know, you can come to me. Right. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, you know, if you need help, you can always come to me. And she's like, okay. And so she gets back and um, then Duke Guy shows up and he's like, hey, did did you go in that room? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I did. And he's like, then you need to run. 
And she's like, okay. And then he grabs her and drags her in, like down to the room. And who shows up but the sheriff? Why? Because he's a fairy. And he's what? mean. And he's bad. And he had made a deal with Bluebeard and Bluebeard's first wife to make sure that the cat, like the kingdom that they have is prosperous for the villagers. But what that meant in exchange was that he had to provide the fairy with blood. Ooh. And so he had no choice because the fairy was able to control him that he had to kill his wives. And so the longer he tried to resist, the more the fairy uh, like hurt the kingdom and stuff. That's why there was a drought. And that's why there were all these things. But even though, um, she's Robin Hood. She's also the descendant of foresters who taught her how to deal with tricky fairies. So they go to hang her and she's like, oh no. So she like is able to take out like a, an arrow and she shoots her husband with some iron because iron will take out fairies. And that kind of cuts the bond between him and the, and the mean fairy. And then she shoots the fairy and he dies. And then they chop off his head and burn his body. And it's really, really beautiful. Oh my God. Um, and then her brothers show up and she's like, don't hurt my husband. It's not his fault. Um, only British because they're in England. Um, yeah. And so they decide that like, you know, yeah, like I'm Robin Hood. Sorry about that. And then Bluebeard's like, listen, like this is how you have impacted my kingdom, you know? And so she kind of takes responsibility for like their mischief um and she decides to quit the game and she either has the option to like leave and go back to the woods or stay as his wife and so she stays but at no point in this story like there's no sex in it and i think that's because the author typically writes ya books oh but they did fall in love it was a super slow burn and then at the end when like all the bad stuff has happened they work on their relationship Aww. and it's really sweet it's really sweet and it was very very funny um and i really liked it it was a really sweet story am i sad that like for the past two books there's been no fucking yeah, and the like only books i've read with fucking have been giants a little bit yeah you've been on a real chaste uh chaste little little yeah it's been a time you haven't read something yeah. funny in a long time i know I know. And I mean, I was hoping because at the end, I'm like, oh, they're being romantic. Finally, I was like, okay, listen. I was like, I waited. I'm, I'm getting my reward for getting through this book so quickly. Um, they're just kissing. I do know from the epilogue that they do end up having children. Um, so they're fucking somewhere. It's not in this book, though. <laughs> so... So, also, Guy for a Duke is a horrible name. Well, especially when you call him Dookie. <laughs> Say Dookie there. Say Dookie. So what you going to read then? Rubber boots. If, it wasn't, if it wasn't smutty, what are you going to read? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I highlighted it. I'm just going to read the end where it's actually kind of like romantic and sweet. I just gotta find it. Okay. So I'm just gonna read the beginning of the chapter because it gives like that like wrap up kind of thing. Okay. I just gotta find it because uh, apparently 
it uh, it doesn't work well on a computer if you try and read an ebook that way. Oh. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay. It's real short, but okay. Yes, yes, I can hear your questions. Did Guy and I ever fall in love? That's the point of tales like this. It just wouldn't be complete without that happily ever after, now wouldn't it? In the end, my ultimate heist would be stealing the Duke's heart. It wouldn't be easy. Hearts were like gold. I couldn't just waltz in, grab it out of a vault, and make my escape. Hearts could only be handed over willingly, and Guy had locked up his tight. I don't know how to flirt or bat my eyes or pretend maidenly weakness. Not to mention I'd always heard you should never compete with a dead woman for a man's affection, and I was competing with three. So I set out to do what I did best, annoy him until he couldn't picture his life without me. Sure, it probably wasn't the correct way to go about falling in love, but you know me. If there was a right way and a wrong way to go about doing things, I wouldn't pick the wrong way. But I would do it with style. And so then it's a whole thing about how she, like, brings him breakfast, but, like, wakes him up before the crack of dawn and then makes him chase her. Oh. <laughs> um, it's really cute, but he asks before he kisses her. And I thought that was so lovely yeah and like i love how the moral of the story was that they had to be patient with each other because mm. they had trauma ah it was it was so beautiful it was beautiful i love this so you know at the beginning how they were like i know you hate me and she's like you don't even know how much yeah you yeah so here's what it says at the end when i pulled back i whispered near his ear i know you love me he gave a throaty laugh, brushing a kiss to my temple. You don't even know how much you'll love me. Oh, oh cute! I, so sweet. I am living for how sweet your books have been, truly. Like, I just, yeah. it's so off-brand for you, but it just makes me so happy. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I will say that typically when I read books that are really sweet, and, like, they fall in love, and it's it's just beautiful and kind and gentle. I get so bitter about it, because I'm like, that'll never be my life. People aren't like this. But when it has a fantasy component to it, or a fairy tale component to it, I think it takes the edge off, and it just makes it a fun tale, a fun story. And I don't get bitter about it. I'm just like, that was fun. I would like to see that in a video game. You know? <laughs> Reminds me of my friend. I introduced her to Sally Rooney recently who wrote Normal People, Conversations with Friends, um, Beautiful World, Where Are You? She's this young Irish writer. I adore her stuff, but her stuff is notoriously very smutty. And there's been two TV, TV adaptations of her books, both of which are include like very explicit sex uh, normal people, which was the first one that was made into a show, actually normalized, like started the trend of people using um, intimacy coordinators. Uh, oh. So like the they're very graphic sex scenes, like full frontal the whole bit, but they were done in this very safe environment. Da, da, da. So, anyways, they're the books are incredible. The shows are amazing as well. Uh, and I was raving about one of the latest books to a friend who then started watching the show. And <laughs> she had a similar response to you. Like she was so bitter because she was like, this is this, the love like this doesn't exist. Hot sex like this doesn't exist. And I was like, Oh honey. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I watch? Like I love, regency films and period films like give me some pride and prejudice give me sense and sensibility give me persuasion like i will watch those all day long 
but I get so bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm single for the first time in a very long time, so maybe I haven't yet gotten to that place, but... Uh, yeah, it never even occurred to me until my friend, yeah, was just like, like grumping about it. And I was like, I thought it was so beautiful. And she's like, love is dead and not real. And I was like, okay, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) But carrying on with the sappiness, I'm going to end on a bit of a sappy note because I want to read to you for my um, book, instead of reading an excerpt, I actually just want to read the really sweet acknowledgement in this book because I thought it was quite touching Uh, and I love reading people's acknowledgements I like every book that I read oftentimes it's the first thing that I go to right away I flip to the acknowledgements because I think it just says a lot about the author like the tone who they thank how they thank them Um, anyways so I'm just going to read you a little bit of the acknowledgements and this is again from Hellion's Waltz It's traditional to stack acknowledgements in ascending order of importance, but everything else about the past year has been topsy-turvy, so why not get right down to the heart of the matter? Neither this book nor its author would be in any kind of shape if it weren't for the incredible love and flat-out heroism of my husband Charles. This year was our 10-year wedding anniversary, and the fifth year since I came out as bisexual. We'd planned on Paris, and instead we found ourselves spending a year indoors in an apartment like a sealess ship. We've both lost loved ones, we've struggled to feel connected to absent friends, and we've been sick and tired of absolutely everything, except for each other. It is a gift to have you in my life, my love, and I thank you with everything I have. Then there's about two paragraphs where she thanks, you know, her editor and her agent, um, but this is the last bit. Lastly, I want to send my love to everyone who is feeling haunted by this past year and its ghosts. We're all missing someone, whether it's for now or forever. It feels important to remember that we're not alone in feeling alone. I hope the reading of this book may bring you a little bit of solace that the writing brought me. This was my escape and my refuge, and its door is now open to you. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. And that's so vulnerable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like to just... Yeah, so I think... It says a lot about Olivia, um, Mm -hmm. but I just think it also, you know, it's just interesting because we started this podcast during the pandemic, right? This was a pandemic venture to make sure that we stayed connected. And, um, and so I just thought, yeah, it's a, it is a great way to think about like this podcast has kept us connected to each other throughout the pandemic. And we, you know, talk at least, you know, out loud to each other, not just via text at least once a week as a result. Um, And I know lots of people who, yeah, like took up new hobbies, including reading, like that they rediscovered their love of reading over the pandemic, or they started virtual book clubs with people. And I just, you know, Bookstagram has really kicked off. Book TikTok has like sent old books into the bestsellers list because people started raving about them. Like it's just throughout the pandemic, people have like really leaned in to uh to it. And I think it's very, very sweet. So I wanted to read yeah. that. And again, cannot recommend the feminist pursuit series there's three so the lady's guide to celestial mechanics which i fucking adored it was the first of hers uh and then the care and feeding of washbis widows which was uh delightful and also yeah just like delightful because it was older women um which Mm -hmm. i love so much um so again if you are interested in olivia 
and her work. She is currently the romance fiction columnist for the New York Times Book Review. So you can also... Really? Yeah. So she writes reviews and essays on, like, the history of romance and where romance is going and all of that kind of stuff. So I really recommend... I know you get requests all the time. Everyone is like, sign up for my newsletter. Sign up to my newsletter. Um, But do sign up for her newsletter, folks, if you want to know when her new books are coming out and also kind of who she recommends that um that folks check out yeah i'm on one author's uh newsletter and it's eve langlais and she just does not stop oh like oh you like shifters shifter 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 she's writing like 20 books a year it's relentless wow and uh yeah she's a machine and she's canadian so we love that and isn't she from like isn't she from like small town ontario too Yeah. yeah yeah love it love it Love it, yeah. love it. I think she's from Belleville, I think. Yeah, it's like so Coburg or some small ass town. Yeah, love <laughs> that. Love this. Love this. But I might join the uh, Olivia one as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a gooder. And um, yeah, I'm really, really, really glad that I read one of her books again. Now, next week, there's more potential. I mean, there was potential with Heist for it to be filthy, but there's more potential next week because we're reading. One of the horniest genres of romance that doesn't appear to be on its surface. There's an incredible TikTok that I highly recommend folks check out where a woman is like, one of the greatest gifts that women have ever given to each other is that we can read porn in public and no one knows otherwise because we have fancy (laughs) covers of beautiful people on the front and it doesn't look smutty at all. But Regency is what we're reading next week. And uh, that is a wide open genre that is jam packed and has only gotten more full since Bridgerton, I'm sure. But there is definitely potential for smutty, smutty, smut for you next week. Yeah. And you know what? Last time we did Regency, I had a bummer of a book. It was not spicy. It was annoying as hell. And I was like, never again. It's like, I'm never reading Regency again. Um, I have a copy of Bridgerton, but I'm going to save it for when we both read Bridgerton. Okay. Um, but I did start it before I was like, no, no, this is good. We'll come back to it. Okay. Um, cause I want to share that experience with you. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I've never read the Bridgerton either. Yeah. But I'm going to find something filthy. That's, <sighs> I need, I need some, I don't need romance cause it hurts my heart, but I need <laughs> some gross intercourse please and i i want to find it i i mean if i if there's anyone in this world that can find smut it's you so i believe in you with my whole heart and my whole butt which is significantly bigger than my heart so me and my spiciest part of the spiciest part of me so yes join us next week friends for regency and we have more stuff to come before we wrap up season four. So keep following us. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. And as always, twas a delight to chat with you, Renee. The feeling is so mutual. Love you. Love you too. Hey, do you say Barcelona as Barcelona? <laughs> no. Why? Because, okay, you know, on like TV and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes they say like Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Like with a, 
And I just, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Oh, okay. um, I don't have a passport. I'm not going to Barcelona, but I think it's fun to say. It's fun to say. I was like, where like, is What this? accent is that? I don't know. It's just, a, it's a speech impediment. But it's also like how I discovered recently that people from Long Island don't call it Long Island. They call it like Long Island or like Long Island. Like it's like a Long Island. I can't even pronounce it. It is unhinged but it's how people say it when they're from there it's like if you were if you and i said like new orleans you'd be like well you're clearly not local it's new orleans right it's the same thing with i guess <laughs> or is it just barcelona. like people who go to spain and then come back and are like oh i yeah, spent my summer in I mean. barcelona but like maybe yeah. people from maybe that is how people like people in like spanish-speaking countries roll letters so it could be I, I mean, I am fr- like as a French person, I can't roll my R's. It sounds like, <sighs> so I can't say like Barcelona. It doesn't work. Barcelona? So maybe the TH is an easier way of doing the R sound. This is probably the most ADHD moment you've ever had in the history of this <laughs> podcast. I've been thinking about it for days. Where we're like ripping up and then you're like, hey, how do you say Barcelona? <laughs> And I'm like, we didn't even read a book set in Spain, nor are we reading books next week set in Spain. I love Inquiring minds want to I know. love how your brain works. Never fucking change. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I hope one day we can go to Barcelona together. <laughs> a girl can only dream. <laughs> okay. Do you want to thing us out? I will thing us out. Fucking Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, I just heard Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Once again, at the moment, you can do this. Okay. Ravage love. Ravage love. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at RavageLove on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. (laughs) 